Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Father, we give you thanks, Lord, because we can sing that our sin is covered, that we have been made right with you because of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you thanks for his willingness to sacrifice himself so that we can have life. And God, I know that for a lot of people, we've been in a lot of Good Friday services and Easter Sunday and uh, we, it can sort of get boring, like we've, you know, this is what we do all the time. But I, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a fresh perspective, a renewed appreciation for all that you have done for us. Lord, I pray that these things would never get old. That when we look at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that our hearts would be humbled, that our hearts would go up to you with love and affection and Lord for us to be in a place where we're always grateful because of what it costs Lord your son we thank you for his willingness we thank you Lord God for this word that reminds us so clearly all that he has done and all that it took I pray that you would help me to be a servant to my brothers and sisters, to serve them by expounding your word properly with passion and conviction. And Lord, I pray that we would know that it's not a boring moment, but it's a time to lean in and to hear in a, a new way. God, I pray for those who are not in the faith, that they would pay attention. And God, that you would show them, Lord, that you have given a sacrifice, Lord, that you have made a way for them to return to you. And I pray that they would receive that today we pray in Jesus name amen amen as you're sitting you can go to Isaiah 53 like Sabrina said we're going to go from verses 7 to 12 and I'm a little nervous I won't lie because this is actually in the life of our church the first time I'm ever talking to you live on a good Friday yeah, yeah, so COVID's made it so that we haven't been able, and I can see your faces too, which is nice, which is always, always good, and then I'm always nervous when uh, Papa D is back in the house, just so you know, Pastor Dennis is back, we thank God that he's here. So I get nervous, because uh, the first time me and him ever hung out, he said, you know, Marv, you're a good preacher, but you're not a great preacher, so <laughs> let me help you, and I loved him for that, he helped me, so... But uh, growing up, some of you know, I didn't become a Christian until I was 25, um, but I, my mom always took us to church. And one of the things that was real strange to me was that they called this day good. So when we'd go to church, I'd be like, that makes no sense. They'd call it Good Friday. That was weird. 
I'm like, you don't call a day good that somebody you know and care about died on. That doesn't make sense to me. I thought, ah, maybe they should call it Strange Friday. Maybe they should call it Bad Friday or Sad Friday. That, That seems, but we call this day Good Friday. And this passage shows us why we call it that. It shows us that on this day, we call it Good Friday because of what Jesus accomplished for us. Verse 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck, here's why, because of my people's rebellion. These two words, oppressed and afflicted. Isaiah's trying to get into your mind that Jesus suffered. But notice that he says two times, he did not open his mouth. You see it there? Verse 7, he did not open his mouth. Again, in the bottom of verse 7, he did not open his mouth. Anytime a, a writer in the Bible repeats themselves, they're trying to get you to pay attention to something. That in all that Jesus went through, in all the struggle, he was silent. When he was before Herod, he was silent. When he was before Caiaphas, he was silent. When he was before Pilate, he was silent. He did not protest. He did not defend himself. And he compares Jesus to a lamb, to a a sheep. See, sheep, lamb, they, they go with blind compliance. No matter the destination. Jesus, though, is, is not like the sheep. This is, he, he contrasts. He's not like the sheep because Jesus goes where he is going with full knowledge of what is about to happen. He knows what is ahead of him, and he goes anyway. Verse 12 says, if you look down, it says that he willingly submitted to death. He willingly does that. In John 10, he says, No one, in verse 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He willingly gives himself. And you need to understand that this submission that we see from Jesus is not a moment of weakness. It's actually a moment of power. It's a display of God's power to meet our greatest need. He willingly gives himself. Verse 8 says that he was taken away. That is a reference to his arrest and then the illegal trials that he was put through. And I want you to notice that no one cared. You're like, where are you getting that idea? Look at verse 8. He was taken away, and who considered his faith? No, it didn't. No one cared. It's kind of like our culture today, right? Jesus is giving himself, and the people just go out, they just go about their business, eating and drinking. It doesn't matter to them says he was cut off from the land of the living in verse 8. The, the way you could translate this is he was cut down out of the land. He was killed for me and for you. Verse 8 says it clear. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. See, that word rebellion tells you the way to see sin. Sin is not an accident. 
Sin is not a mistake. Sin is outright defiance. It's human beings looking at God and saying, I know better than you. It's rebellion. Sin, when you think about it, is irrational. God knows everything. God is all-powerful. God gives you a word and says, this is the way to live your life. To look at God and say, I know better than you is irrational. It's to put yourself in danger. Sin is destructive. We know that. We look into our life. Sometimes we look at the, the residue of our sin, the ripple effects of our sin. We know it's destructive. It destroys relationships. It hurts us personally. Sin is just outright disrespectful. I know better than you, God. We rebelled, but Jesus did not. Let me say it again. We rebelled, but Jesus did not. Look at verse 9. He says, he was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence. So Jesus is gentle. And had spoken and not spoken deceitfully. Jesus was honest. When he says, I am the son of God, come to earth to give my life for you to seek and to save the lost. He is telling you the truth. When he says you have sinned against God, he is telling you the truth. Jesus is willing to tell you the hard thing. And then he's willing to do the hard thing for you. Think about that. Gentle and Honest. What Isaiah is highlighting here is the innocence of Jesus. He's innocent. And everybody admitted it. Pilate says, I found, I found that he has done nothing wrong. Pilate's wife even said, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. The thief on the cross says, we are, to the other thief, as the other thief is berating Jesus, the other thief looks at him, he says, we are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looks at him and says, you're you're in. Today, he says, not tomorrow. Today, you will be with me in paradise. When you step over that threshold and say, Jesus, I know you are free of sin. I know I'm full of sin. When you do that, And you say, forgive me for my sin. Restore me to my relationship with my father. When you take that step, Jesus looks at you and he says, come on home. Today you will be with me in paradise. I got to slow down. I'm getting emotional. Today. See, our culture is full of injustice. We see that all the time, every day. And we talk about this a lot at our church. We don't want to be a a church that ignores injustice. But here's the thing you got to remember. The greatest act of injustice ever committed on the face of this earth was the murder of Jesus Christ. Nothing has been worse because he did not deserve to die. And God, in his mercy and grace, used the greatest act of injustice to rescue and save all those who trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And so what Isaiah does is he highlights the submission and the innocence of God's son. Jesus died to give you and me an opportunity to live. Let me say it again. He died 
to give you and me an opportunity to live. Amen. To live a life of loyalty to God. Your loyalty to God is going to be tested in a culture like this. To live a life of love for the people of God and the people who don't know God. To serve them, love them, tell them the gospel. To encourage them when they're down and discouraged. That is what it means to live now for Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. So now Isaiah highlights the success of God's plan. You got to understand that Jesus, the death of Jesus, was not an accident. He highlights the success of God's plan. Acts 2 Verse 22 to 23 says, fellow Israelites, this is Peter speaking, listen to this. Jesus was a man accredited accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with his help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Verse 11 in in our verse 10 in this text highlights the sovereignty of God. That God is, that God is involved. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your life, here's what you gotta understand. God is using that thing to accomplish his plan and his purposes for you and for the world. God is involved, God is in charge. And you're like, what should that do in me? What, how should that help me? Here's how, it should help you in three ways. It should calm your fears. We live in a world where people are full of fear. The news is always trying, I don't watch the news for that. They're always trying to fool you up, get you, get you scared. And get you to act and behave in a certain way. But you need to realize, God is in charge of all things. The cross is this beautiful reminder of that of the sovereignty of God. It should calm your fears. It should ease your frustrations. Sometimes in life, we don't have the things we think we need. Some of the things we really want. God may be withholding that, but it's because God knows better than you. He knows better than me. I told this illustration once. It's coming to me right now. I'll tell it again. When I was growing up in Jamaica, I was driving with my dad. And in Jamaica, you would, you'd be driving and the road is so small that when you are going around a bend, you have to honk. Because sometimes Jamaicans can be ignorant and they're coming around that bend and they're not concerned about who's on the other side. And my dad would always have to put the truck when we were going to Kingston to drop off coffee, he would always have to put the truck in the, in the bank and honk the horn because he didn't want us to die or be put off a cliff. Let me tell you right now, if God never, never has to honk the horn because he knows what is on the other side. And so if God has kept something from you, it's because he knows better than you and he knows that if he gave you that thing, it would harm you. So he doesn't. He keeps it from you in order to keep you in the faith, sometimes even to keep you dependent. Sometimes that thing that we really want, if we get it, it would be now we would stop thinking about God. 
We would stop praying to God. We would stop asking for God's help every day. And God wants us to be a people who are humble, who are dependent on him, who says, I need you today because I don't know what's coming, but you do. And so he withholds certain things, but from a place of love and protection. You have a good father in heaven. Let that heal your, ease your frustrations. Here's the other thing. This reality that God is sovereign should give you good perspective on life. Don't lose perspective. Whatever comes at you, whatever's going on, understand that God is in control. He knows what he is doing. He is good, and he means good to you for his glory. Trust him. It says that in verse 10, it pleased the Lord to crush him. Now, you got to understand that this is not sadistic. When it says that it pleased the Lord, it's not sadistic. Walter Kayser, he says... It wasn't some sadistic type of pleasure in which the father reveled in watching his son die in agony. Rather, it was the prospect of fulfilling the great purposes of God. There's a great purpose. And, it, and it, the cross fulfills the, the great purpose of God because the cross is the greatest display of God's nature and God's attributes. That's what, it, that's, what, that's what brought him pleasure, that you would understand at the cross you see the righteousness of God. At the cross you see the goodness of God. At the cross you see the kindness of God. At the cross you see the mercy of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God, the grace of God, the wisdom of God. No one could come up with a plan like that to save you and me. Verse 11, it says, after his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will carry their iniquities. That phrase, see light, is a reference to the resurrection. See, sometimes there's some churches that on Good Friday, they turn off all the lights and they want you to be all sad. And then they tell you, Today is a day to walk out sad. And then come back on Sunday. We will celebrate on Sunday. And I'm like, what Bible are you reading? I'm yelling because it, it just bothers me. Turn on the lights. We can't even see our Bibles sometimes. Because what the Bible teaches you is that Jesus is alive right now. And so you don't got to wait till Sunday to get busy. You don't got to wait till Sunday to celebrate. Your faith is secure now because it says he will see light. He's already resurrected. We're going we're gonna to do it on Sunday, I promise. Vivian's been working on it. But we can do it today. When you go home, bump that and we turn up the gospel. Go. He is alive today. He will see light, the text says. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus to life and it says that when he was raised, he was, he was satisfied with what he had done. Text says, by his knowledge, verse 11, my righteous servant will justify many. That phrase, by his knowledge, is telling you, Jesus knew what had to be done. Then he says, my righteous servant, which tells you he's the only one who could do it. Perfect righteousness. And it says that he, he, he justified many. You should, you should ask yourself, what does it mean to be justified? Because this is important for you. 
I love that guy. He was like that back in the day when he was my small group leader. He justified many. Means you're forgiven. To be justified means you're forgiven. It means that God has looked at you and declared you righteous in Christ. Justified. If you have faith in Jesus, you got to take this in. This is your reality. Again, not because of our righteousness, but because of his righteousness. He says, my righteous servant, your sin is covered. Your your life is protected. You have been renewed. Jesus took your bad record, my bad record, all the 25 years of just reckless living. He took all of that on himself, and then he gave me and you his perfect righteousness, his perfect record. When God looks at you, he sees you in his son. You're safe and secure. And here's what this, this is what should do to you. Here, it should make you feel no guilt. If anyone in Christ is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the, the old is gone and the new has come. No guilt. As far as the east is from the west, so far God has separated your sin from you. You are forgiven. No guilt. And sometimes we look at our past and we feel shame. No shame. God looks at you with love. Proud father. I say this all the time in our church because it's important to me, saying, make me proud. That's what God says to you every day. God is not sitting there hoping that you will mess up. You are justified. He is sitting there saying, bring me glory. Serve me today. Follow the word and trust me. Your life won't always be easy, but it will be peaceful. That's how he looks on you. No guilt, no shame. Jesus, the text says, became a guilt offering for us. And I want you to know that God rewarded him for it. I'm not making it up, I promise. Look at verse 12. Therefore, so given all that has been said before, everything that I said, therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil. Because here it is, he willingly submitted to death. And was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. First, you got to notice that God gave his son a people. He says, I will give him the many as a portion. That's you. In verse 10, he says, we are called his seed. The Bible tells you that you are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, that you belong to Jesus Christ, and that there's a day coming where you will be with Jesus Christ. God gave him a people. And then this next one, the Father will give him authority over all rulers. He says he will receive the mighty as spoil. All those people in our world who look mighty, who look strong, who are doing all kinds of evil, who are using and abusing people, They will be given to Jesus as spoil. Alec Motier said, the kings fall silent. They won't be able to say anything in front of Jesus. Fall silent because they're in the presence. I love this line. You got to hear this. They're in the presence of the stronger than the strong. Well, I'll say it again because I like when you talk. Kim's shaking her head, but I'm going in anyway. 
The kings fall silent because they're in the presence of the stronger than the strong. They will be at his disposal. All those people who are committing wicked acts of injustice will be at the mercy and at the feet of Jesus. And what Isaiah is doing here, he is pointing to the future, this future reality where every single knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's where we're headed. And they will get the just punishment. I said this previously. Sometimes people in our world get away with wickedness. And that's hard to watch. It's hard to take. But I'll tell you right now, at the end of all things, at the end of history, no one will get away. Jesus will give them the just punishment that they deserve. They will be his spoil. A couple more things, then I'm going to let you go. Jesus identified with us. It's right there in the text. He was counted among, verse 12, among the rebels. See, Jesus didn't just lose his life for you and for me. He also lost his reputation. Counted among the rebels. Then, you gotta, then there, there's this, Jesus intercedes for us. Identified with us, intercedes for us. It says there in verse 12 again, he interceded for the rebels. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. There's something important here. This verb here, intercedes, actually stresses that this is ongoing. That's right. Ongoing. That's why Romans 8.34 says, Jesus is at the right hand of God. Remember I told you, he's alive. On the throne, at the right hand of God. And not just sitting around interceding for us. And so here we get the reward and the ongoing ministry of God's servant. You got to think about this. The king of the world, Ray, is praying for you. Son, Jesus is praying for you. That's right. Think about that. Lifting you up. And you're like, what's he praying, Marv? If Jesus is praying for me, what's he praying? That you would persevere in the faith. That you would endure. That you would not give up through all the satanic attacks. Through all the accusations of Satan that you would not give up. Through all the disappointments and discouragements of life that you would not give up. That you would hold on to the faith. That you would not drift away just because things get a little bit hard. Just because you're a little bit tired. That you would keep going, that you would not give up just because you didn't get the thing that you want. Through all the hostility, that when the culture calls you a bigot, that when the culture says that your sexual ethic is is outdated, that you would endure. That when the culture tries to get you to affirm something that if you truly believe what the Bible teaches, you cannot affirm, that you would not give up. Even though you know it's going to cost you something, Jesus is praying for you to... Pers- and I'm telling you, that's only going to get hotter. There's only more heat coming for the Christian on that kind of stuff. But you got to... Jesus wants you to stand confidently. When the world is going on the wide path, Jesus says he's praying for you, saying, Marv, Sam, Andy, stay on that narrow path. Because that's the way to glory. That's the way to joy. Jesus is praying that you would not give up. That you'd persevere in the faith. This should encourage you. 
This should cause you to hold on. You know why? It tells you. Jesus is praying that you would make it all the way home. And here's, here's, you're like, all right, he's praying. Here's why it should encourage you. If the king of the universe, if the one who controls all things will sin, if the one who, who has the world in his hands is praying for you to make it home, you're going to make it home. Right? That I lost my, you're going to make it. Because he loves you. You're going to make it home. And so keep the faith. And every day give thanks that God is praying, that the Son is lifting you up. Think about this. Jesus gave his life for you. He gave the Holy Spirit to guide you. And now he's lifting up his voice to bring you home. And he does all of this, the text says, willingly. Never hesitates. Willingly he did this. That is why we call it Good Friday. Because of all that he has done for us. And a powerful, this powerful, there's a powerful reminder for us that today is a good day. And it's when we take communion, which we're going to do together right now. Communion is this beautiful reminder that Jesus gave up his body. That Jesus allowed his blood, you can come Lord, it's all right. Allowed his blood to be shed. So that we could have an opportunity at life. So that we can live. And the Bible says that when we take communion, we are to pause, we are to reflect, we are to give our attention to God and to the way that we are living. If there's anything we need to confess to God, if there's a relationship that needs to be made right, then we, we do that. And I want to say, if you know that there's a relationship or a situation that you need to work out, then you are not to take communion. Go and make it right with that other believer. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Just the unity is that uh, important. And also, if you are not a believer, then we want to also say that communion isn't for you. It's for people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not a judgment on you. But we, we don't want you to do something where if your faith is not there. Communion is for baptized believers. And so we're going to take a moment to pause, to reflect, and then we're going to take together. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.